situation. It applies to euthanasia and, uh, and doctor-assisted suicides. It applies, and that's just in also these um, people that are taking these women and and uh, and they captured those school children, 200 of them, sent them as uh, bombers and, and killed 2,000 this week. There's just all over our news every day. So it's all about life, as you studied in Sunday school this morning, the sanctity of human life. But I want to share just a, um, a few statistics, if they speak to you like they do me. Every 20 seconds, 20 seconds, I've already been up here 40 seconds, two babies have died, two unborn children. Every 20 seconds, a baby is, uh, an unborn child is aborted. That's just in the United States. We're only, we're focusing right here on the United States, uh, not worldwide. It would be far more than that if we looked worldwide. 4,000 babies a day, 1,460,000 babies a year. That's just in the United States. And euthanasia, and we have, uh, uh, Euthanasia and doctor-assisted suicides in five states, it's legal in the United States. Um, Oregon, Washington, Montana, Vermont, and New Mexico, where you can go and have um, where that life, in other words, God doesn't choose when to end that life, you do. And then um, in, in, in human trafficking, we have uh, at least 17,500, could be, well, they don't know because it's hard to, a minimum of 17,500 um, uh, foreign nationals that are brought into, cap, uh, captured, and brought into the United States every year, just in, from in, into the United States for human trafficking purposes. Most of those, 45% uh, are sex related, 50% uh, are women or children, or no, 50% are children alone. So it's the total picture of human sanctity of life. And with, uh, they estimate some 200,000 to 300,000 children, young teens, are uh, subject to human trafficking every year. Not foreign nationals, actual nationals, U.S. citizens are subject to that. Just, I'm here to speak to just for a second about our local efforts. It, it seems a small drop in the bucket, but it, it is significant. Our pregnancy care center and uh, women's first choice. Women's first choice is the medical side of the pregnancy care center where we do the um, STD testing, the sonograms, things like that. So there's a total medical side of pregnancy and then the pregnancy care center is the counseling side of it as well. Uh, we had 68 women come through the center this past year. We had 57 women who have already chosen life 57 babies that would not be here right this minute uh, were it not for our pregnancy care center. And we still, and we still have five that, are, uh, that haven't made their choice. So y'all pray for them. They were seen and counseled with um, just in December and they'll be followed up with. And so we're, that, that's a significant part. And, and just over the last four years, we use the four years because that's when we uh, were able to, to get a sonogram for the pregnancy care, for the women's first choice. In those four years, 208 
208 unborn babies have been saved since then in Tiff County. And 34, 34 of those mothers have accepted Christ as Savior. Every woman that comes in there has presented the gospel of Jesus Christ and shown what he can do for them. So that's 242 lives that were born or reborn in these past four years. So this is an effective ministry and we, would, uh, we have uh, vision tours that will show people what goes on at the pregnancy care and women's first choice. They would love to show you uh, how to be involved. We need volunteers all the time from stuff. And we only have one full-time employee. And, uh, and then we have a nurse that does the sonograms and we have, so we would love to, we need volunteers down there, even if it's one afternoon a week. Uh, they would, and FBC, First Baptist has been a good supporter. One of the, one of the two largest contributors among churches uh, in this past year and in the, in the number one church contributor for the next year. Uh, due to an, a budget increase, and we appreciate that so much. It's a totally self-people-supported ministry. There's no grants. There are no government is not involved. It's strictly through churches, individuals that, that give and support this ministry. And I want to close with this uh, scripture from Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Each and every one of us have been set apart. Thank you so much. Good morning. Good morning. Please stand as we sing hymn number two, Holy, Holy, Holy.
Let's bow together. Father, as we come into your house this day, we thank you for the privilege of being here, of being called your people, of having a relationship with you, of having forgiveness and salvation and abundant life today and eternal life tomorrow. God, while we are here on earth, help us to love the things that you love and hate the things that you hate and have a voice for the most vulnerable in our society who cannot speak for themselves and protect those precious lives whom you created. We thank you for the life that we enjoy and for the breath and freedom and opportunities that you have bestowed upon us so freely. Help us, O oh God, this day to be moved to love life, to cherish it, to acknowledge its sanctity, and to protect it every step of the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We're excited that you're here this morning to worship with us, but we would like a record of your attendance. If you would just tear off that little flap and register your attendance with us, that will help us to minister to you throughout the week and, and the coming years. Also, if you have a prayer need on the back of that flap, our prayer request, you can fill that out and put that in your bulletin or in the, uh, the offering plate, excuse me, as it comes by, and that can be your gift to us this morning. Uh, if you would also just stand up and greet those around you, we'd like to greet at this time.
right, have a seat. How are you boys and girls? How are you this morning? Good. I know we got a small group this morning. That's because our 1050 children stayed over in the 1050 service because we're not doing children's worship this morning. Miss Marsha has to run from here over to the Family Life Center and help prepare the carry-out luncheon that the children's ministry is doing today for uh, as, a, as a help defray the expense of children's camp this summer. So if I forget it, come on down, Allie, come on down. Uh, if I forget it at the end of the service, when we get through with worship, we can go to the Family Life Center and pick up a carry-out plate for a suggested donation of $5. I think it's baked spaghetti. And uh, those will be available going through the patio room door so as not to disturb if that other service is still uh, going on. But uh, that's where Miss Marsha will be, so that's where a lot of our children are this morning in the 1050 service. Dustin Alexander brought the Happy Club bag. Let's see what he brought this morning. Why are you smiling? Have you got me something? Let's see. Dustin, what is this? Ninja stuff. stuff. Are you a ninja? Let me see, what do we have? A vest? A sword? Is that called something special? Katana. Katana and nunchucks. I would swing this around, but I would probably hit myself in the head. <laughs> so I don't want to. Why did you bring this, Dustin? You like to pretend you're a ninja, and what do you do? You jump around the house and, and, and attack and fight things? Imaginary? Good. Well, don't, don't hit your sister with any of this. Okay. Okay. Well, that's, um, Dustin wants to pretend he's a ninja, and he has a vest, and he has a, what do you call it? Katana. Katana and nunchucks. Just to pretend, just to pretend. And, and you know what, boys and girls, I look, at, I look at this vest and I look at these weapons and it reminds me of what Paul writes in Ephesians about the weapons that, that God has given us to carry on warfare against Satan, against the evil one. We have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We don't have nunchucks, but we have like a shield and we have a breastplate and we have shoes and we have a helmet. We have all the, the weapons and the defensive ability to protect ourselves from Satan who would attack us and hurt us and do us harm. And so Paul tells us in Ephesians every morning to put on this protection and to go out and not let Satan hurt us. So just as Dustin likes to imagine there's, a, there's an enemy out there that he's fighting as a ninja Paul tells us that there's a very real enemy out there called Satan, and he's, he's out to hurt us and do us harm. But God has given us all the protection we need to protect ourselves and to fight him off. And we need to just put that on every day when we head out in the morning and those we love and, and fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and ask God to be with us and protect us. So let's pray right now and ask God just to do that for us, even in church. Let's bow together and you pray with me. Dear God, thank you that you've given us everything we need to protect ourselves from Satan. Help us to use these weapons for you. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Amen. All right, Dustin, here's your vest and your katana, is that right? And nunchucks to fight the bad people. Oh, there's something else in here. Is it the sheet? It's the, uh, yeah, for the sword. There you go. All right. Boys and girls, it's a girl's turn, Miss Marcia. Yes, Sarah, please. Sarah, will you take the bag home and bring back something special next week? You can go back to your seat, boys and girls, since we're not doing children's worship this morning. Oh! 
stand with me to sing hymn number 546, Love Lifted Me, hymn number pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this beautiful winter day. We come here today thanking you for the many gifts and resources that you have entrusted to us. This church has been truly blessed. This church has always been focused on missions, both in traveling to other places and in faithful groups, seeing a need and fulfilling that need within these walls. We pray that you will give us the wisdom to use these talents and gifts to bring your love and comfort to those in need. Bless our staff and volunteers who serve others every day and bring the good news to others. We thank you for the fellowship we enjoy here and pray for continued guidance and all these things we ask in Christ's name, amen.
Thank you, choir. He is Lord. He is God. And I'm here this morning to present what I know to be the biblical truth that only He can create life and only He is wise and good and loving enough to know when to end life. And we do not have that prerogative because we don't love like God loves. And so <clears throat> I thought about this a long time. This is so important. And when I hear Ron share that 4,000 children's lives are terminated every day, one every 20 seconds, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. And I know it breaks God's heart because of what he says about life in Scripture. I come to you as a theologian, not as a, a scientist or ethicist or anything else. I come presenting what I believe to be, what I know to be God's perspective on life. And what he values, I want to value. And he values life. This message is entitled Sacred Life, Psalm 139, 13 through 18 is the passage of Scripture. It's David writing, and David is talking about God's perspective on life and his relationship with God and how that began and what it means to him and all that transpires in the course of life. And it's very clear. It's a beautiful passage talking about the sacredness of life. Psalm 139, verse 13 says, Thou didst form me in my inward parts. Thou didst knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise thee, for thou art fearful and wonderful. One translation says, fearful things, I am wonderful. How about that? God creates wonderful things. I am wonderful. Thou knowest me right well. My frame was not hidden from thee when I was being made in secret, intricately wrought in the depths of the earth. Thy eyes beheld my unformed substance. In thy book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are thy thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I could count them, they are more than the sand. When I am awake, I am still with thee. David is telling us what his relationship with God is like. And what God's relationship with him is like, even before he was created, he was on God's mind. Let's bow together. Father, as we come today to, to think about life and human life specifically and the importance you place upon it, the value that you deem it, how dare we undermine it or undervalue it? more so than you. We don't have that right. We don't have that wisdom. We don't have that goodness. And so help us, Lord, not just to not do something, but help us to do what's right and help us to take a stand and be a voice for those who have no voice, even the preborn. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oftentimes I'll sit in my office and wonder what we'll have to give an account for, for one day. What will Christianity, what, what blind spots have we had?
Where have we missed the boat and God's will for us and for our society? And I, you know, it's easy to think about um, the Crusades in the Middle Ages. How could Christians have missed that so terribly? It's easy to think about slavery in the 18th and 19th century. How could Christians have been silent in the face of that? I think about Nazi Germany and uh, the Christian church in Germany who heard the train whistles going by in the background knowing that they were carrying Jews to, to concentration and death camps. How could they have remained silent? And yet how different is that from us? Knowing that preborn lives are being taken and the whistles are going by and we remain silent. The Bible is very clear that life is sacred. Life is holy. And we ought to have a reverence for life. Sacred means holy. Holy means distinct, unique, other, separate. The Holy Bible is a unique Bible. Um, the Holy Word of God is separate and distinct and unique. And life is holy because God created it and no one else can. And only God has the prerogative not only to create life, but to end it in his time, in his perfect way, in his loving purpose for us. I'm going to go right through the scripture because it's very clear what David is explaining about life. In verses 13 and 14, he says, Thou didst form my inward parts, Thou didst knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise thee, for thou art fearful and wonderful. Wonderful are thy works. Thou knowest me quite well. David knows that God can create life and only God. Life is an act of God. It is a work of God. Now you'd say, well, God creates all kinds of lives. That's true. God creates the birds of the air, he creates the animals in the field, he creates the life of the fish in the sea. But what makes man different? It tells us in Genesis 1.27 that God stamped his image on human life. And a lot of the theologians debate about what God's image means. What does, it means more than just, it, it does not mean that we literally look like God or that God looks like us. The image of God means a lot of different things. It means that we understand the difference between right and wrong. There is a moral foundation to who we are because God created us that way to, to be able to look at ourselves and, and to know what we're doing and to take responsibility for it. No other animal can do that. But God placed his image on us and that's what makes, him that's what makes us different from every other living being, every other living creature on the face of the earth today, mankind is elevated because we alone have the image of God stamped upon us. If you hold a newborn baby in your hands, and, and we have some in our sanctuary this morning, and we had several in our 830 service this morning, and you look at their eyes and their ears and their nose and their mouth and their fingers and toes, you know that only God can create something as miraculous and beautiful as that. And it wasn't long when Catherine was in medical school that she called me and tried to explain how intricate every chemical process is that the human body needs to survive and how only God can create something so perfectly to maintain that balance, to maintain life. 
I remember it several years ago, and it was, it, was, it was so crazy, it was almost funny. Do you remember when the Raelians, that, that religious sect that believed that mankind was placed here on earth by a spaceship and is coming back to retrieve us again one day, and the Raelians claimed that they had cloned a human life and named her baby Eve, and it was, she was born to a woman in London, but when People tried to investigate it. They wouldn't give any details and come to find out, guess what? It was all a hoax. It was all made up. But the Raelians still liked that because they said even negative publicity was better than no publicity. But what it just goes to prove is that mankind cannot create life. Only God can. Only God can do that. And, and when God created us, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed, David says in verse 14, I praise thee. I praise thee, for thou art fearful and wonderful. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I praise you for that. And that's why we're here. We're here to praise God. And that's what life does, to be in a relationship with God and to praise him for that life because he made us so fearful and wonderful. Years ago, I remember seeing in the news that a man went berserk in Rome and took a hammer to the Pieta. Do you remember that Michelangelo's miraculous statue of Mary holding her crucified son Jesus in Rome? A man went berserk and took a hammer and began to chip away at the base of it, and, and there was an uproar that happened that anyone would dare to deface or mar such a, a marvelous creation. So if we get an uproar over that, how come we don't get in an uproar over a human life that is marred or terminated prematurely? Much more important than a statue. And for that matter, you know, I see on the news when, when a crowd of people get upset over a beached whale or a dolphin or a, a rainforest in South America or... Um, lab rats that people, that, that scientists use to, to test medicine on. All those, all those things are important. I'm not diminishing that, but what I am saying, how much more important is a human life that so many people are silent when a human life is terminated. We bear the image of God, and that makes us different from any other created being. Human life is precious because we bear God's image. Mother Teresa put it like this. She said, every child has been created for greater things to love and be loved in the image of God. Once a child has been conceived, there is life. There is God's life. And that child has a right to live and be loved. I would argue that that life begins some people say at conception. I say it begins even before conception because David says that we've been on God's mind from the beginning of time, even before creation, even before our conception. God is thinking about us and numbering our days, not just numbering our days, but knowing what will unfold in those days. And it happens from the very beginning when God has us in his mind. Susan, I asked Susan to sing His Eye is on the Sparrow this morning. And you may know this story. His Eye is on the Sparrow was made popular by Ethel Waters, who sang in a lot of Billy Graham crusades. And you will remember Ethel Waters. Wait, what you might not know is that Ethel Waters 
was conceived when her 13-year-old mother was raped. And I'm sure there were those who said this pregnancy should be terminated, but aren't we glad and thankful that Ethel Waters' life was not terminated? Here's another story, another case study that I, I learned in ethics at seminary, and it was in a footnote in a book called Ethics in Modern Medicine. And uh, I've never forgotten it because it was so profound. Here is a family history. Let me give it to you, and you tell me what the parents should do. The father has syphilis. The mother has tuberculosis. They already have four children. The first one is blind. The second one has already died. The third one is deaf. The fourth child has tuberculosis. The mother is pregnant now with a fifth child. And the parents are willing to do whatever you think she should do. Should she terminate this life? Before you answer that question, before you decide, let me tell you that that fifth child was named Beethoven. What would have happened had this world not had Beethoven? Verses 13 and 14, only God can create life. Verses 15 and 16. My frame was not hidden from thee when I was being made in secret, intricately wrought in the depths of the earth. Now, David knows that he wasn't made in the depths of the earth. He's using poetic language to talk about the mystery of the creation of life. Thy eyes beheld my unformed substance. In thy book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. You see what David is saying? He's saying not only does God number our days, but he has written out what our days will hold. It's like God has a schedule. He has a calendar, a day timer, and he knows what's going to happen on each day of our life. And it's written not when we are conceived, but from the very beginning. God maps out a child's lifetime. Ron was talking about how important the sonogram is at the Pregnancy Care Center. And when, when, a, when an expecting mother looks at the sonogram of that baby, I mean, don't you know they look at those long fingers and say, look, that, that child might be a piano player. Or they have long legs. Look, that child might be able to run fast. The parents learn the potential of that unborn child just looking at a sonogram. Well, guess what? God knew it a long time ago. Because not only does he number our days, but he's mapped out everything that we will be like. He has written out our schedules. He knows what will happen. And he has, he has already laid it out for us, beginning with praising him and then serving him and loving him and serving his kingdom and his people here on earth. Ordaining our days numbering our days, scheduling the activities of our days, mapping out our lifetimes is God's prerogative and only God's prerogative. It's true. A mother says, well, it's, it's my, my body. I can do with what I want to. And you're right, she can. She can do whatever she wants to. But the question is, does she have the right to do what she wants to? Does she have the right or does God, who created that life, within her? Well, I hear some people say, well, there's, there's problems with this pregnancy, and, and we, don't want to, you know, we don't want to raise this child. It's going to be difficult. Well, who determines what quality of life 
is. It's not ease of life or health or prosperity. Quality of life involves submission to God's will. Whatever God's will is, I think will be a life of great quality. Do you remember, I was, I was reading a magazine this past week and um, it had the story of Brittany Maynard. Do you remember Brittany Maynard who took her life on November the 1st? Uh, what's that, 10 weeks ago? Because she had an inoperable brain tumor and she didn't want to prolong pain and suffering. So she and her husband lived in California and they rented a house in Oregon. Ron mentioned had a, uh, the right to die law. And uh, she had a great day. She and her husband went on a hike. And that afternoon, that evening, she had her family around her. And she took a lethal dose of sleeping pills and ended her life. She could do that. But the question is, did she have the right? It was her choice, but not her right, I would argue, because only God is wise and loving and good enough to know when our lives should come to a, a fitting conclusion. And I have been with church members in the hospital. I've been with church members in the nursing homes, even in their homes, when a loved one is facing death. And it's not easy. But God knows, and, and I'll tell them, and I see this happen time and again, They'll say, how much longer? And I don't know, but I do know that God knows. And God is good and God is loving. He always does things on his timetable, on his schedule. And it's always perfect. It's always perfect. And we are not good enough and loving enough and wise enough to interfere and end one's life prematurely. Because God is in charge of creating life and only he is wise enough to end it. The final thing is really the clincher for me. Verses 17 and 18, how precious, not only does God create us, not only does God schedule our lives, number our days, verses 17 and 18, how precious to me are thy thoughts, O God, how vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. What's David saying here? He's saying that not only does God give us life, not only does God schedule our days, but he says God thinks about us all the time. We are on God's mind. His thoughts about us are too numerous to count. They are more than the number of grains of sand on the seashore. God is thinking about us. Jeremiah said, that God said, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God knew us before we were even formed. God was thinking about us before we were even conceived. He is thinking about us all the time. And then David says, even when I wake up, I am still with thee. I expected him to say, even when I wake up, I am still with you. Or, or you are still with me. But what he says is, I am still with you. God was thinking about David when he was asleep. He was thinking about David when he was awake. It's like you wake up in the morning and God says, oh, hi, Wayne, I was, I was thinking about you this morning. How are things today? God's thinking about you. 
His thoughts about you are too numerous to count. More than the grains of sand. That's how much God thinks about you. So what does that say? Every child is precious to God. He's thinking about that child even before they are conceived. He creates that child. He knows what the days are going to be like for that child. And every day he's thinking about that precious gift. Max Lucado tells a great story in his book, The Applause of Heaven. He says there is an old sweater that hangs in his closet. And that sweater is too small for him to wear. The sleeves are too short. The shoulders are too narrow. And he can't even get it buttoned. As a matter of fact, it's missing some buttons. And some of the threads are, are bare. And it's, it's worn out in some place. And... Um, it just really doesn't make sense. You know, it doesn't have any care instructions on the inside about whether he should wash it or dry clean it or whatever. And the reason why it doesn't have any care instructions is because it was not made in a factory with a label put inside of it. You know how it was made. By his mother, who selected every thread with care, who knitted it together, every stitch with love. And so Max Lucado says that he'll never just, you know, common sense says throw that sweater away. You'll never use it. He says he'll never discard that old sweater. Even though it's lost all of its use, it has lost none of its value because it was made with love. Value does not come from function. It comes from its maker. And that's why that sweater is so valuable to Max, because his mother made it. And if that's true for a sweater, how much more true is it for human life? We may look at a life and think, well, they have no more use in this world. But someone in a bed in a nursing home, still has value because that life was created by God. And only God knows and is wise enough and loving enough to know when that life should come to a close. So whether it's terminating a preborn life or euthanasia or anything else we do in between, to usurp the prerogative that only God should have is a sin. And we should value life because God does. Life is sacred. That's what the Bible says. And we should value it too. Let's bow together. God, forgive us for our silence. Forgive us for not standing up more and speaking out for those who cannot speak out for themselves, the most vulnerable in our society. Father, we pray for the Pregnancy Care Center and the difference it can make in our community. And for young ladies and women who 
may be here this morning or watching by television contemplating what to do about a preborn life. Lord, help them choose life and sit back and marvel at what that precious child can grow up and become. For those who may have made a mistake in the past, I thank you that there's forgiveness and grace. And you can still um, love us even when we do terrible things to one another. Help us, Lord, to love you and to love the things that you love, including life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing an invitation this morning. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. I'll be at the front to receive you. Hymn number 61. If you need to profess your faith publicly or join this church or rededicate your life or come forward and pray or volunteer at the Pregnancy Care Center or um, find forgiveness for the past, whatever you need to do, the altar is open and I'll be at the front. Let's stand together and sing hymn 61. Please come as we stand together and sing.
if you don't already have something prepared at home, there are carry-out plates available over in the FLC kitchen, uh, helping defray the cost of children's camp. Suggested donation, $5 a plate, but you're welcome to contribute more if you feel so led. And uh, those are carry-out only, and, and you'll go in through the patio room and through the patio room door and pick up those plates and, and take them home with you. Um, also, we were, I want to express Christian sympathy this morning to the family of Margaret Massengill. Miss Margaret passed away yesterday at home, and um, the family's meeting at Bowen Donaldson this afternoon, so I'll have the arrangements of this evening's worship service, but tentatively visitation tomorrow night and a service for Miss Margaret sometime on Tuesday. And I know there's not a paper between now and then, so you'll need to uh, be listening out or checking Bowen Donaldson's website for that, those details. Now, on a good note, will you join with me in welcoming Miss Allie Hyde? Miss Allie came to see me this week, and she had invited Jesus into her heart in her bedroom on Tuesday night a week ago. And she said that Jesus is in her heart, and she wants to join the church and get baptized as a testimony to that faith and that belief in Jesus and what he's already done in her life. So if you join with me in welcoming Miss Allie and celebrating what Jesus is doing in her life and heart, will you join with me in saying amen? Amen. amen. This precious little girl. Brent could not be here this morning, but Michelle is here, and she and Ethan are going to come and stand with Miss Allie. And you come by and speak to her on your way to the Family Life Center if you'd like to pick up a, a to-go plate for lunch today. Let's stand together and have our benediction. And Jim's going to pray for us. Let's join hands as we go. Father, on this Sunday, when all across our convention we are recognizing Sanctity of Life Day. God, we just come before you today and just thank you for the breath and life and health that you have given each one of us in this place today. And God, we lift up those who would love to be here but can't because of their health. But Father, we would also ask that you forgive us when we have, in whatever measure and in whatever way, devalued life. And Father, help us to go out from this place today and in this week ahead of us and to do the thing that would value life more than anything else and that is to share with those that we come in contact with about the love of Jesus Christ and about the love of the Father your love for us that made it possible for our sins to be forgiven so God help us to do that this week and in that way show our love for you and show others what we believe about life being sacred and holy. God, just give us the strength for that this week in Jesus' name. Amen.